0: If you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to begin reading verse 1 in just a few moments, but as you're turning there, um, this morning we're continuing our sermon series entitled The Perfect Family. So far, we have looked at the gospel and the dysfunctional family, and as we looked at that message, I think we all would agree that we all probably have a little bit of dysfunction within our families, okay? I know my family does, and and I know some of your families. Um, so I think it across the board, we could say we all have a little bit of dysfunction within us. Last week, we looked at the gospel and marriage. And here's what we know. When you take two sinners and unite them together, there are going to be a few bumps along the way. Am I right? What happens though when you take these two sinners and unite them together and they start having children? Well, that's what we're going to look at this morning. The gospel and and parenting. I came across this list, um, and and these are some of um, a list that a mom compiled about her son. She said, these are some of the things that my son has taught me recently. She said, you should not throw baseballs up when a ceiling fan is turned on. The glass in a double-paned window will not stop a baseball that has been hit by a ceiling fan. I've discovered that ceiling fan motors are not strong enough to rotate a 42-pound boy wearing a Superman cape hanging by a dog leash. I've learned that when you hear the toilet flush followed by the words, "Uh uh-oh, it's already too late. I also learned... Um, from my son that no matter how much jello you put into a swimming pool, you still cannot walk on water. My son has also taught me that the spin cycle on a washing machine can make a cat very dizzy. I also learned that a dizzy cat can throw up two times its own body weight. Most importantly, I've learned that only with a sense of humor can you survive parenthood. I bet you and I could come up with a list that would rival this list of all the things that we have learned from our children. Here's what I want us to do right now. I want all of us in this room to stand up for just a moment. Okay? I want everyone in this room, let's stand up for a second, okay? Okay? And I want you to look around this room. We've got many of our children and students that are off serving somewhere. But I want you to look around this room. There's still many students and many children in this room. Statistics tell us that eight out of every ten graduates, by the time they enter their second year of college, will have already left the church. It's pretty sobering when you think about it, isn't it? So here's what I want us to do. I want this section right here. Have a seat. Okay? All right? I want the front section of the middle to have a seat. All of you in the back, remain seated. Okay? And I want this section over here to have a seat. Okay? So if you can see this back section here. Okay? I know that Ms. Summer loves the attention right now. But let's just say... This right here represents generation one, okay? Of our kids, statistically, okay, this is the greater, greater um, graduating class, not just Friendship Baptist Church, but that's generation one. Those are the ones that are going to go on to college, and they're going to still love Jesus after they graduate from college. And they're going to be the ones that in the future are going to fill our churches, okay and they're going to have kids we hope that are going to love Jesus as well now what i want is for for those all of you in the every row except for the back row to have a seat okay everyone except for the back row all right let's call this generation 2 those that are left standing in the back those represent our grandkids or our great grandkids if these statistics are true That tells us that within a couple of generations from now, okay, that the vast majority of our students, our children, and our grandchildren will have left the church. Pretty scary, isn't it? I'm going to ask you all to come stand here at the front for the remainder of the service (laughs) as a visual aid. Can you all do that? I'm just kidding. Have a seat. You know, I've been to England um, a, a few different times, and I've walked um, the streets of many of those cities. And as I've walked those streets, I've seen church building after church building that has been turned into a pub or an office building or into a residential home or a church that was a church now sits empty. And, 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 As I have visited some of the churches over there, I've also noticed that many of those churches today that are still open sit mainly empty. Here's here's what's going to happen here if we're not careful. One day our churches are going to sit empty just like they are in places like England and Europe and and other places around this world. Why? Why? Because there is an exodus of, of, of adults and students from the church. Many of the young people of yesterday's generation have left the church. And I want us to see this morning that there is nothing more important Then you and I passing on the gospel of Jesus Christ to our children and to our grandchildren. Everyone in this room has a discipleship role within the life of a child. Think about it. You have a discipleship role within the life of your own kids, your grandkids. Your great grandkids, your nieces and nephews, your cousins, and even the friends of your friends that come into your house. You have an opportunity through the love of Jesus to demonstrate to them what it means to be a Christian. Our message point this morning is this, we must pass on the gospel to our. Children. Faith family, there is nothing more important than planting the gospel into our children. That is our primary calling as parents. It is to be planners of the gospel, to plant and sow the word of God into the hearts of our children and our grandchildren and into the heart of those that we have influence over. In order to do that, though, we must make sure that God's word is primary in our life. Notice our first point this morning. It is this. Learn the word. This is a challenge to all of us in this room that we be learners of the Word. If you have your Bibles, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning of verse 1, we're going to just kind of break up this passage of Scripture as we go along this morning. But let's read verses 1 and 2 together. It says this, Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules. That the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over, to possess it. That you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life. That your days may be long. As I was preparing for this message, I came across this illustration that a pastor had shared, and, and he said um, this, and this was from a blog that he read, but it, it says, as many of you know, I'm addicted to Jeopardy. I'm not addicted to Jeopardy. This person is addicted to Jeopardy. And I, I've literally watched it from the beginning, over 20 years now, and I tape it every day, and I watch it every night before I go to bed. I even tried out for Jeopardy once, but my well of useless information is weak on English Lit, and I got killed in that category. I was watching this morning while running on the treadmill and was reminded of the uphill climb youth pastors have. The college tournament is currently on, and three very bright college students were battling it out. One of them picked BA for 600 This means all responses will begin with the letters B-A. This was a clue. In John 3, 3, Jesus said, unless a man is blank, blank, he will not see the kingdom of God. Do you know the answer to that? "Born again!" I immediately started yelling at the television. "Born again!" He said, "I yell at the players when it seems like I'm the only one who knows the answer." I stopped yelling, though, and stared in amazement at all three of these students, one of which goes to school in the buckle of the Bible belt. They all stared blank- blankly until the buzzer rang. They had no clue. I was dumbfounded. Even Alex seemed a little surprised. If they can't answer this question on jeopardy, what are they going to do when their soul is in jeopardy? Think about that. If they can't answer this question on jeopardy, what are they going to do when their soul is in jeopardy? John 3.3 3 says, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You and I will never be able to impart God's Word effectively into our children unless we are learning the Word of God ourselves. 2 Peter 3.18 says, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity Amen. You know, I love that we have Bible drill here at Friendship Baptist Church. I love that our kids are learning God's word and hiding God's word in their heart. I love that our kids are able to recite God's word from memory. It is a great discipleship tool that we have here at this church. But this church is not the primary place of discipleship for your children. Your home is that place. My home is that place. It is not this building in which we come together week in and week out to study God's Word. This is not the primary place for discipleship. In Deuteronomy 6, 6-7, Moses penned these words. He says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Are these words written and pinned to pastors? Have they been written and pinned to youth pastors and children's minister and to growth group leaders? No. These words were pinned to people like us in this room. To parents, to grandparents, to men and women that have influence over children's lives. Look at it like this. Statistics show That a church has only about 40 hours in a given year to influence a child. Now, some, it's obviously much more. Some, it's much less. A parent has closer to 3,000 hours in the same year to influence children. So up here, it kind of gives you an idea. On the left there, that's the influence that we have as a church um, upon your children statistically speaking, on average. On the right side would be how many hours you have in a given year to disciple and equip your own children. You know, I, I, I hope and I pray that we are taking advantage of the time that we have been given to invest in our children God's Word. You know, I remember when I was a student pastor, um, and I was a student pastor for probably... I don't know if you count my high or college years. Probably for close to fifteen years, and I remember that the measure by which I was judged was often based upon a student's spiritual growth. If a kid was not growing in their relationship with the Lord, that was my fault. I knew that that was not true, but the parents oftentimes like to blame me for their lack of, of, of their kid's spiritual growth. Folks, we try our best to disciple your children here at this church. But the primary place for discipleship is not here. It is within our homes. We must study the word. And we must hide the word of God in our hearts. And we must be able to teach the word of God to our children and to our grandchildren. And once again, to those children that we have influence over. Not only must we be able to teach the word, but we also must be able to invest the word. That's our second point this morning. We must make a deposit, so to speak, of the word of God into the hearts of our children. In Proverbs 20. 2, 6, we read, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. When you and I make an investment of the word of God into the lives of our children, then guess what happens? The word of God will go with them. Now, I know and I want to just make this abundantly clear right now. I know that some of you in this room made a great investment of God's Word into the lives of your children. Okay? Man, that you discipled them in your home. You, you took them to church. They got discipled at church. And today, some of your children may, may not be a part of the church. Okay? Here's what you are to do if that is the case. Pray for them. Continue to love them. Continue to invest in them. Continue to share God's Word with them and pray that that Word that, that you made a deposit of into their lives will take root and that eventually they will begin to grow and they will become to be, begin to become disciple-makers themselves. You know, I have no doubt that, that the, the prodigal son had been invested in by his father, and by his mother, and probably by the rabbis and others. Okay, but that prodigal son, what did he do? He left. He abandoned his family. He went and he, he, he squandered all of his inheritance away. But eventually he came home, didn't he? Pray for your children that they will eventually come home as well. Let's make a wise investment into the lives of our children Folks, disciple-makers invest the Word of God into the lives of others. That is what Jesus commanded us to do. He said, go and make disciples. We are not only called to make disciples of those outside of our home, but we are called to make disciples of those inside of our homes as well. You know, um, I remember... I've heard kind of jokes all throughout my life that the two worst sets of kids in a church are the, the the deacon's kids and the pastor's kids, okay? In some churches, that may be very well true. Why would that be true? Because oftentimes, leaders in the church make great discipleship investments into the lives of those within the church, but do poor job of making similar investments into the lives of those within their own homes. Let's not be guilty of that, parents and growth group leaders and leaders in this church. If you make an investment in the lives of people in this church, make sure you make an equal investment and plus some into the lives of those in your home. We have been instructed and commanded to invest the word into the lives of our kids. In Deuteronomy 6, 2 through 3, we read these words that you may fear the Lord your God and your son and your son's son by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord the God of your fathers has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. We are instructed here to make an investment into the lives of our kids and when we invest in them then it is our hope and prayer that they're going to do what? That they're going to make an investment into the lives of others as well, into their kids. Notice, notice in verse 2. Notice the generational exchange that Moses speaks of here. We read in verse 2 that you may fear the Lord your God. You Me, your son, my son, and my daughter, and one day their sons and their daughters. It's a generational exchange. That's what discipleship is about. That's what it means to invest in someone's life, that you invest in them, you make a deposit of God's Word in them, and it is your prayer and my prayer and our hope that they too will go on and make disciples and make a deposit of God's Word into their own children's lives and then their children and so on and so on. We see here that we are instructed. We are instructed to fear the Lord. We are to bring our lives under God's lordship. A godly parent places the Lord first in their lives. And when they place the Lord first in their lives, guess what? Happens. They are going to invest and sow the Word of God into the lives of their own children. When our relationship is right with the Lord, we are going to do everything we can to help our children prioritize the Lord in their lives. We are going to keep the commandments and help our children keep them as well. Our primary responsibility as parents, hear me when I say this, is not to ensure that our kids get The greatest education. It's not to ensure that they become the greatest athletes. It's not to ensure that they become the greatest musicians one day or that they become the leader of a or a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Our primary responsibility is to help our children to become followers and disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, to equip them so that they one day will become disciple makers themselves. Notice our next point. It is this, we are to live the Word. We are to live out God's Word. Live it and show it. Did you know that the Puritans had a saying? Every home was a little church. I didn't know that until I was studying for this message this morning. But Ray Pritchard shared this. He said, the Puritans believe that the Father should be the pastor in his home the same way an, endure, an endure or ordained ministers pastors, the church. The Puritans were so serious about this that if a father neglected the spiritual training of his family, he could be brought before the elders for church discipline. And if he refused to take his proper leadership role, he could be disbarred from the Lord's table. Sounds pretty radical, doesn't it? What would happen if we at Friendship Baptist Church began to implement church discipline because we didn't disciple our children the way that we had been commanded to do in our own home? Probably every single one of us at one time or another will be, would be brought before the church, right? That's why we don't do it anymore. Because if we were to do it today, our churches would probably sit empty or be more empty than they are today. We read in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. If you and I love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul, then there is a great chance that our children are going to catch that. Not a guarantee. But there's a better chance that they're going to fall in love with the Lord if you and I equally are in love with the Lord. In order to love the Lord, we must live a life that is dedicated to the Lord. He must be our first priority. And we must avoid making the things of this world our first priority. I think every single one of us are guilty probably at some point in our own homes giving greater attention to things outside of our home than to those that live within our home. We give greater attention to the students that we teach at our schools or, 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 or the, the people that, that we work with they get more of our attention than our own children. And we must do a better job of making sure that our children are the number one priority in our home. In Deuteronomy 6, 7 through 8, we read these words. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. When we place Jesus first in our lives, then there is a good chance that they will not give in. Our children will not give in to the gods of this world. Moses instructed the people of Israel to love the Lord and to hide the word of God in, in their hearts because he knew what awaited them in the promised land. Moses was very familiar with what was awaiting the Israelites in the promised land. He knew that it was a land that was flowing with milk and honey. He knew that there were going to be vast cities that the people did not build, but they were going to inherit. He knew that the vineyards were right and awaiting picking. He knew all of these things were awaiting the Israelites. He also knew this. He knew that if the Israelites went into the promised land and, and they forgot where they had come from and, and they entered the promised land and they took possession of that land and they also took possession of the gods within that, those lands, he knew that there would quickly become a generational gap of, 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 of men and women that love the Lord. He knew that and he recognized that. Folks, If we're not careful, one day we're going to launch our children. And if we're not careful, there's going to be a generational gap as well. A generational gap of disciples. We read in verses 10 through 15. Moses wrote these words, and when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care, lest you forget the Lord and Who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from the face of the earth. What happens when you and I get too comfortable in our world? Oftentimes we forget our love for the Lord, and replace our love for the Lord with the things of this world, right? The Israelites were about to enter the greatest land on the planet, and Moses wanted to make sure that they were ready for what awaited them. Folks, if it, is not, if it has not already happened, there is coming a day when your kids and my kids and our grandkids are going to enter the promised land. They are going to leave our homes and they are going to possess the promised land that is before them. Are they going to be ready? Have you and I done everything we could to equip them and prepare them for the promised land that is awaiting them outside of the doors of our homes, outside of the doors of our churches? One day you and I are going to launch our children if it has not already happened. There's coming a day when our kids will walk out of our home and go off to college. And eventually they're going to get their own homes. And they're going to start their own families. Will they be ready? Have we done everything we could to help prepare them for what awaits them? Thursday night... Caitlin had her final JV volleyball game, and and we stuck around for the varsity game because it was going to be their final district game. and And I sat by. Um, uh, we were sitting on the the back row, and there was a couple of ladies that were sitting on this side of me, and I kind of overheard them throughout the game. and They were getting kind of emotional, and they were getting teary eyed and everything because their baby girls were playing their final volleyball game. There's about six of the the girls that are seniors, and so they were. We're getting pretty emotional, and and. After after the game, I, I turned to him and and I said, Man, it's hard to believe that your girls are gonna be graduating in just a matter of months. That's the wrong thing to say to a group of women that are mourning the final volleyball game of their of their kid. And so I try to make it better by saying, Yeah, it's hard to believe that your kids are gonna be graduates and just in a matter of months my kids are uh, or my son's gonna be a graduate. And here's the reality, there's coming a day real soon, if your kids haven't already graduated, that they're going to graduate. We're going to launch them out of our homes for the final time. The question is are they going to be ready for what is awaiting them? We are going to launch our children into the real world, into a world that we just hope they are ready for. Here's what I hope for I hope that this world is ready for our children. I hope these college campuses are ready for our children. I hope that our children will enter into the promised land with a great love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine what would happen if we launched out of our homes and out of this church young people that love Jesus? Young people that are going to break the statistics, and they're going to stick around beyond their sophomore year, and they're going to get involved in a local church on their, in, their colleges campus, or, or in their college communities. And they're going to grow in the grace and knowledge even more on their college campuses than they probably even did in your own home and in your, their own church. I know that some of the greatest spiritual growth times of my life occurred whenever I was in college. And that potentially could happen to our children as well. When they get out on their own and they demonstrate a love for Jesus, can you imagine what would happen if we launched out of this place men and women that love Jesus? Can you imagine what would happen on these college campuses? Can you imagine what would happen in corporate America? Can you imagine what would happen within the churches that they one day will join if they have a hunger and thirst for the Lord? Let's launch those kind of kids into this world. Young people that love Jesus. At the conclusion of the book of Deuteronomy, just before the Israelites were going to cross um, uh, the Jordan River, and just before Moses was to take his final breath, Moses said these words. He said to the Israelites, Take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today that you may command them to your children that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. For it, is not, for it is no empty word for you, but your very life. And by this word you shall live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. God's word, not just a bunch of idle words, God's word is the source for eternal life. Let's take God's word and make an investment into the lives of our children and to the lives of the children that that make up this church and to the lives of the children that we have influence over. And let's pray that they will one day, when they launch out of our homes, become disciple makers themselves. Remember this, okay? It's not too late to begin growing in your own relationship with the Lord. You may be in this room this morning, and you may be in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 70s, your 80s, your 90s. It's not too late to begin growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's not too late to begin to invest the Word of God into your children and your grandchildren and your nieces and nephews and cousins and those that you have influence over. It's not too late to begin to show the Word of God. To your loved ones by living your life for Jesus Christ. Parents, let me encourage you to pray with and to pray for your children on a daily basis. I shared with you last week that, that every night before we go to bed, we always pray with our children. Pray with your children and pray with your and pray for your children. Disciple your children. Don't leave discipleship up only to the church. This is a great place for them to be discipled, but it's not the only place for them to be discipled. We are to do that in our homes as well. Do family devotions. Now, one of the things that um, we've kind of gotten away from, um, it's real hard, it seems like, in the, in the fall in our household. I don't know about you, but very rarely are we all under the same roof at dinnertime. But a regular practice that we have done in our homes in the past is family devotions. Let me challenge all of us to, to do that. To gather around the table at dinner time at the conclusion and just do a devotion together. What we've done oftentimes with our kids is we'll just rotate. You know, every, every every night somebody different does the devotion. Let me challenge you to do that as well. Spend time with your kids. Because there is going to come a day when they're not going to want to spend time with you anymore. Um, I've got a couple of teenagers right now that are right on the verge of that. Where they don't really want to spend a whole lot of time with mama and daddy. Let's take advantage of the time that we have with them. Students and children, let me challenge you. Obey your parents. Obey your parents to command that we've been given. Make wise choices. Don't make dumb choices. Make wise choices. Make choices in which you recognize and realize that the Holy Spirit dwells within you. Make choices that are going to honor your Father in heaven. Trust in God all of the days of your life and trust in His Word. And share Jesus with other people. As you have been made into a disciple, go and make disciples yourself. And let me even begin to challenge you today to begin praying for that day. If the Lord blesses you with children... Begin now praying for those children that the Lord is going to bless you with. Begin even now trying to figure out how am I going to disciple my kids one day? How am I going to equip my kids one day? How am I going to do a better job than my parents did of raising my own kids? It's okay to do that too because your parents made some mistakes. Okay? I've made some mistakes as a parent. Okay, we learn from our mistakes. And as children, you can learn from the mistakes that your parents made. But even begin now now, praying for the children that the Lord will give you one day. Let us, as a faith family, be more concerned about the spiritual growth of our kids than we are their worldly accomplishments. Now, I think it's real easy for us to be concerned about their worldly accomplishments. Accomplishments and very and 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 not so concerned about their spiritual development. Let's change that. Let's change that. All of us in this room. Let's make our kids' spiritual growth more important than any other form of growth that they experience. J.C. Ryle Ryle wrote these words. He says, "When I speak of a man growing in grace, I mean simply this." that his sense of sin is becoming deeper, his faith stronger, his hope brighter, his love more extensive, his spiritual mindness more marked. Man, let's pray for a generation of kids that are going to be concerned about their own personal sin and their own personal discipleship. So that one day, whenever they're launched into the promised land, those are things that they're going to, to, to recognize that, they gotta, that, that they've got to get in check, their sin as well as their discipleship. Let's make disciple-makers, faith family. You may be here this morning, and you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You may be here this morning, and, 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 and you've grown up in the church. Man, you've, been, you've been in church since you were a baby. But when you think about your own personal discipleship, it's non-existent. You don't read God's Word. You don't study God's Word. You don't hide God's Word in your heart. You don't pray. You don't do any of those things. Let me challenge you today to begin starting to do those very things. It's not too late to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You can start today doing that. Become growers in the word. It's what we've been called to do. And as we grow, guess what's going to happen? As we grow and as we develop, then we're going to start challenging other people to grow and develop as well. You may be here this morning, you've been visiting this church a while and the Lord is leading you to make Friendship Friendship Baptist Church your church home and we'd love for you to come and make this your church home. I don't know what decision you need to make But I pray that if there's a decision you need to make, you'll be obedient to the Lord, and you'll respond appropriately. Let's stand together, and I'm going to lead us in a prayer. If there's a decision you need to make, when I say amen, you come. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you now, Lord Jesus, just once again thanking you. Father, just for the privilege of coming together to worship you and the privilege to open up your word and study your word. Father, I'm the first person to admit that I haven't figured out this whole parenting thing. I've made many mistakes along the way. But Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the opportunity that you've given me and Danny to disciple our kids, to equip our kids, to love our kids, And one day we're going to launch them into the promised land. And it's our prayer, Father, that you will use them in a mighty way to equip those that they do life with. And, Father, I know that that's the prayer of every single person in this room. Every single um, mom and dad, every single aunt and um, uncle, every single grandfather and grandmother. It's that our children, our family members. They'll be lovers of Jesus. And that they grow and come and enter into a personal relationship with Jesus. And that they go and share Jesus with other people. Father, I pray now, Lord, that Lord, you'll just speak to our hearts in ways that only you can and help us to respond, Father, appropriately to this message, appropriately to the discipleship calling that we've been given to make disciples of our own family and other people as well. Father, I pray that if there's someone here this morning that does not have a relationship with you, that today they'll make the greatest decision that they could ever make and that is to confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in their heart that, 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 that God the Father raised Jesus from the dead. Father, if there's someone here this morning that has not done that, I pray that this will be the day that they do that. Lord, I also pray, Father, that if there is some here this morning that you are leading to become members of this faith family, we invite them to come. Lord, whatever decision that it is that you would have us to make, Lord, may we respond appropriately. First, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.